Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. This is the Contender Cast. It's Justin Hahnemann. We are shining a light on bright ideas. And today we are blending the world of social media and social listening, I should say, um, with higher education. And uh, my guest on today's podcast is Dr. Liz Gross. And Liz, it's awesome having you on the podcast. Thanks. I'm excited to do this. I am too. All right. So I love the space that you're working in, the social listening space. And um, you've started this company, launched this company in October called Campus Sonar. So it's the whole, it, it's blending those two things for higher education and universities and colleges. But let's start with how did you get this idea started? And even before that, you know, what is social listening? Sure. So real quick, social listening is the ability to find and analyze online conversations that are of interest to you. So I'm sure most of your listeners are aware of the fact that you can search Twitter and find a lot of interesting things. Of course. (laughs) um, Currently, I think there's something like 82 million unique sources where people are talking about their lives and experiences online. And that can include blogs, the comments of news articles, Instagram, forums, you name it. Every day we're finding something new. So we are finding within that vast sea of the internet, the conversations that matter to our clients and then doing some analysis to help inform some of the strategic actions that they have on campus. So when I like to say social listening in one sentence, I say, if you are agreeing with the fact that what happens online is real life, social listening is real life transcribed, sorted, and analyzed to give you the information you need to make informed decisions. Ah, I love that definition. I think that might be the, the, the best I've ever heard someone describe social listening. Well, and okay, so you, you and I talked about this before the podcast, but I think this is an interesting topic because let's just take social listening just for a second. A lot of companies are already leveraging social listening in their customer service operations, in their customer engagement or consumer engagement um, techniques. So, right, you're seeing that prevalent there, and that, but I have very rarely seen it in, in the uh, higher education space. Yeah, you would be right. Um, I think, you know, there's a really good majority of colleges and universities that are doing social media monitoring. Got, exactly. So, yeah, when people reach out to them, tag them on Twitter, write a comment on their Facebook wall, um, you know, even interact in some Facebook groups, they're doing a fairly good job in most cases of responding to those. But what they're missing is everyone that is talking about them, not to them, just in the way that if you're on a flight and you start complaining how terrible the service has been, but you don't tag the airline, they generally find it and reach out to you. Um, for the most part, higher education is not there yet. And uh, it's become pretty clear over the last few years that a lot of campuses just don't have the bandwidth to do this on their own, whether that's because of human resources availability, expertise, or even the cost of software for a small nonprofit. So that is why we started Campus Sonar. We are experts in social listening and we have backgrounds in higher education. And we bring the two together so that we can be a strategic partner for campuses that want to get up and running and doing this as fast as possible. Yeah. So, I mean, and for those of you that don't know Liz or, or Dr. Liz Gross, um, she has her PhD in the space in the leadership and advancement learning and service area. And Liz, you have done so much work in higher ed before launching Campus Sonar. So, how did you decide to blend kind of this? you know, the focus on this segment, I'll call it, and match that with social listening. And then how did you decide to start Campus Sonar? Yeah, well, so I've always considered myself a higher education professional. Every single job I've had after graduating undergrad has been 
in the higher ed space. And I started out in an association and then worked on a few campuses. Um, I did marketing for university housing, which is always a trip. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That would be a whole other podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, And then I was a marketing director at a two-year college in Wisconsin. Awesome. Um, But about five years ago, I made the jump from campus-based employment to what I call higher ed adjacency working for a corporation that supports higher education. And what was different for my experience there, you know, I was still working with university professionals and college students. I was managing social media for Great Lakes, a student loan servicer. But we were a corporation of 2000 people and 9 million customers. And the finances behind that just looked a little bit different than our small campus of 1900 people. <laughs> right. that I wonder at. why. <laughs> yeah. So I had the chance to experience enterprise level social media management and social media listening software for the first time. And after I got that under my belt and added a little bit more experience also in the market research and marketing measurement side of things at Great Lakes, I wanted to give back to the higher education industry. So I started presenting, you know, a lot of how to do social listening. What is social listening? How could this matter at conferences like the American Marketing Association's Higher Education Conference? Right? Got it. Case. Um, yep. All of South those. South by Southwest, uh, et cetera. Love them all. Yeah. <laughs> and you're and, at all of them. <laughs> yes. And I got the same feedback. It, it became really, really clear that you know campuses were very interested in doing this thing, but unless they were the Ohio states or the NC states of the world, they would tell me this is a fantastic idea, but the software is too expensive and we just don't have the people or the availability to do it. Sure. So thanks for the talk, Liz. This is cool. Maybe we'll do it in 10 years. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> 10 years. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was oh, a little deflating. Wow. but. Um, back at Great Lakes, I happened to be supporting, um, through my role as market insights manager, our new business development group at that time. And I, I had this very similar conversation with one of the business development managers. And he just looked at me and he goes, well, it sounds like they have a problem. Do you think you could solve it? Um, and that was a nice, simple question. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and that was December of 2016. And I really glommed onto that. And I started calling some people I trusted in the industry, kind of gut checking the idea. Sure, sure. People that would potentially hire us, people that had started agencies. And then by January, February, we had started our business development process. So we followed your similar stage gate process did some introductory research, did some quantitative market assessments, did a full business plan. And by Memorial Day of 2017, we were at the point where I pretty much had to do my VC pitch, except I was just pitching our CEO because he was (laughs) going to fund the thing. (laughs) They were going to be funding it, right? (laughs) Yep. Uh, So that went pretty well. And we started you know, ramping up, you know, what, what does the brand identity look like? How can we do this? And then we knew if we wanted to be successful in the higher education space, we had to have client testimonials when we launched. No because, question. Yeah. That just is like a great lesson industry. learned for lots of entrepreneurs out there. <laughs> have a customer or two ready to go right before you yeah. start. Yeah. So we didn't launch the business until October, but we launched our pilot program in July with okay. five campuses that represented the type of campus we thought would benefit the most from our service. So on the, so, those five though, did you, did they have to pay or were you, you know, did you quote unquote invest to get them as clients and into service references? You know what I'm saying? Correct. Yeah. For six months, they were able to get our services for free, oh, but awesome. 
they had to commit to every two weeks having a standard formalized feedback call with us oh, wow. so that we could start changing the service and the deliverables and make it something that was really customer centric. Yeah, I'd say that's a big lesson learned across the podcast and, and individuals that I've met um, that have started companies is that whole idea of having clients engaged uh, from the beginning. So you have a base to work off of and potential revenue and then growth off of that. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, you decided it's pretty cool. So you, but you're basically starting a, a business within a business, right? Within the the loan group there at Great Lakes. And yes, but we're actually, we moved up into the nonprofit now. So we've officially said goodbye to oh, wow. loan servicing. And we're part of a nonprofit that mostly focuses on philanthropy, but we're one of the revenue generating portions of it. That's pretty cool. Well, I love that. Okay. So you got a couple of clients that are going to be your, almost your test cases and your references, right? As you're working through those first couple of months uh, in the quiet phase, I'll call it before a major launch. And okay, now let's talk about like, let's shift a little bit into what you're solving for those five and others, right? So, I mean, in the world of social today, you've got Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, et cetera, and all these touch points. And colleges and universities today, as you know, struggle to even have a single view of their own alumni, right? I mean, across different departments. So now you're asking them to do social listening. Like, shouldn't they get the basics right first? I mean, so how do you deal with those challenges? And then I, and how did you position this as a service uh, within those first five and others? Yeah. So uh, the challenge of single view of customer and higher education is another podcast for you. Right. Uh, We will do that. It would be an interesting one. You know, the fact of the matter is that most campuses, even smaller campuses tend to work on a pretty siloed basis. So they have their, Prospective students and applicants, and those are working in the enrollment management space. Yep. And, one and then database. they have, <laughs> yep. <laughs> then they have their current students. They're in the student information system. Yep. A whole and other another thing. database. <laughs> then they have their alumni who are in an alumni database. That's right. And then <laughs> athletics. Athletics is its own too. And oh, that's yeah. their own fundraising. And then there's your general constituency who's generally served by the marketing communications office, university relations office. Um, there are some awesome folks working to help campuses, you know, get systems and policies and procedures together to fix that. But really, we jump in and work with a campus at like a higher strategic goal level. So those three areas I just mentioned, enrollment management, marketing communications or alumni and advancement, those are the three areas of campus we tend to work with the most. Um, and really awesome engagements, those folks are actually talking to each other and we can impact outcomes in multiple areas. But really when we're working with a campus, we are generally coming in for one of five strategic outcome types. Okay, um, the, so let's the talk first, about those. Yeah, the first and the one that is most easily translatable um, outside of higher education, is just the idea of finding those proactive engagement opportunities. You know, okay. other folks would call that customer service, sure. but customer is a dirty word in higher ed. Right. Uh, <laughs> we don't use that word. <laughs> yeah. So finding people talking about you, but not to you, your advocates, your complainers, your prospective students that haven't put in an application yet, but are talking about their comparative set. Um or also your alumni that are being recognized for their accomplishments, but aren't bothering to tell the campus about them. Got so it. there's definitely that use case. Okay. Um, the next is the brand management use case. You know, the simple idea of public perception is reality and is your brand reputation now. And much of that is happening via online conversation. So if you don't have an ability to capture and analyze that over time, it's really hard to use that to inform your branding efforts. And one of the exciting things we've done with one of our clients so far 
is like many businesses, they've defined, you know, three key brand pillars that drive all of their messages. And we can have our analysts build some sets of rules and categories to tag all of their online conversation in relation to those three brand pillars or, you know, uncategorized. So then the CMO can go into the president and say, here is our 12 months of online conversation. Here's how we've been supporting the brand tactically and strategically. And here's the outcome. You know, we've really been able to grow the conversation about liberal arts and practice, but we're still struggling on the mentorship piece because that's not really resonating. There's finally numbers that they can wow. put behind that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, then, um, <laughs> I love that you say it's fun. You know, that's what work should be fun, it right? Is, I mean, it is. people are sitting in jobs not having fun. I mean, anyway, okay, back to the point. Yeah. That was two. That was number yeah, two, two, I think, so right? Three, uh, crisis communication, you know, finding okay. a crisis, seeing it spread online, understanding who's driving it. Again, being able to put numbers behind that to help a senior executive who might not be as familiar with the online space is really helpful. Um, the fourth would be reputation. I already said brand management, reputation management. The fourth crisis, would be crisis, crisis and uh, audience and conversation analysis. Okay. So this one I love. So we conversation analysis. You know, people talking about a topic. Maybe it's the name of the university. What are the trends? Who's influencing that? All of those things. That's very helpful. But where I get really excited is audience analysis, where we identify some some group that matters to the campus. So whether that's prospective students or alumni, uh, we either do that through some really hardcore research of conversations or from, you know, in a unicorn situation, the campus says, here's 30, 350 Twitter handles of those people. Uh, <laughs> and explain to our audience the unicorn situation. <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't happen very often. Right. Um, again, lack of a single view of customer. Right. Also, you know, when you're making a request for information form for a campus or even like an alumni update form, you're not thinking currently about why you would need their social media handles. And a lot of folks are like, oh, well, that would just be creepy if we asked. Well, right. my plea to any campuses listening is just ask. Right. And if why no one not? gives it Let to you, no. that's fine. But if they do, here's what you can do with it. Sure. Um, so we have, let's say, a list of 350 Twitter handles, Instagram handles, you know, Reddit usernames, whatever that might be. And what we do then is we start doing our analysis based on what those users are saying about everything sure. online. Yep. So I can say, you know, here's your prospective student audience. Here's what's trending on Netflix for them in the last 30 days. Here's what music they're listening to. Here's what they're spending their money on because they're telling the Internet. Sure. So it's well, like an always on focus. And now more than ever, people are more willing to share personal information and Twitter, Twitter handles and Instagram IDs and whatnot are not exactly the most personal of information. I mean, right. I mean, <laughs> exactly. people are kind of used to that now. Yeah. Um, and then really quick, you know, number five, that would be influencer identification. So uh, higher education is also a little bit behind the ball on influencer marketing, um, particularly because, you know, the, the YouTube celebrities of the world generally are not the ones that would be a good fit for higher education. They need to do a little bit more work, maybe find some excellent professional examples of folks that just so happen to be active on social so we can help find those people within the conversation. For you know, them. that's an interesting one. I um, went to Georgia Tech and we have an amazing alumni base and I feel like we very 
we do a really poor job of leveraging some of the alums that are out doing an amazing things. You know what I mean? To, as influencers to others, whether it be people looking at coming to Georgia Tech or alums that are looking to make new connections and whatnot. I mean, I just feel like that's a, not only an opportunity there, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of schools have an incredible alumni base and don't even know who their primary influencers are. Yeah. Um, really quick. Uh, in February, I was at another case conference. It was focused on data and alumni advancement. And it's really starting to come together that you know people have had time to do some research that it is shown um, through some really great studies like people's dissertations that alumni who interact with their institution online, whether that's by joining a Facebook group or commenting on a Facebook photo, um, they are actually more likely to identify as an alum of that institution as one of the things that makes them feel like who they are. Right. Makes and up their brand. Yep. And they're more likely to donate. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Wow. Which is, of so course, what everybody wants at higher ed. Yeah. So yeah. encouraging those interactions, actually, it's starting to show the data is saying that it can pay off. So we're excited to help with that process. Okay. So now this is starting to make sense, I'm sure, for everyone listening in terms of why this is important. So, Liz, like, who is the buyer, though? Like, who on campus is saying, you know what? I know we got all these other technology problems, but I'm going to do this. Like, we got to do this. Like, who is the primary buyer? Yeah, our primary buyer is generally at the director or vice president slash vice chancellor level in enrollment management, marketing, or alumni advancement. So they're the folks that can make a case to the president or the board of trustees. That's really interesting. All right. And then um, you've got a book out, the Higher Ed Social Listening Handbook. Talk a little bit about that and how this links into the services you guys offer at Campus Sonar. Yeah. So um, not everyone can go to a conference and hear me talk about this. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> Although they can come to your website and there's lots of cool videos out there too. <laughs> yeah. So what I did is I, I wrote about a hundred page guide to everything I wished everyone could know about social listening and higher education. And the first part is really like the first part of this podcast. What is social listening? How is it different from social media monitoring? How does this play into the current like economic climate of higher education? And then I present a model for a strategic approach to social listening on campus. So a lot. the problem is a lot of folks are just like, oh, I'll go buy some software and it'll be fine. Um, that's the least strategic way to do it. <laughs> so I, I give this model, the idea being that if someone is motivated and wants to go do this on their own, they can follow it and implement a program on campus. Then the big meaty section of the book is the five sections that we just went through. Ah, you know, what, interesting. What, okay. what does this mean? What are the metrics that matter for each of the use cases? And then what have other campuses already done in these areas? So the book has about 14 different case studies, both from our pilot clients, as well as other folks who've been doing it on their own. That's why I throw out names like Ohio State and NC State, because they're doing a great job already. And then it kind of wraps up with you know, what is next, but also, you know, the origin story of Campus Sonar, why we exist, well, all of those awesome. things. Of course, um, you got to include that piece. I mean, exactly. <laughs> that, you know, I, I think, think it's a cool brand, by the way. I love the name Campus Thank Sonar. You. It needs to have like a sound effect, you know, like a, you're, a you're like the 700th person. That said <laughs> Afterwards, that. after you say that, it should, <laughs> I should be able to play a sound effect for it. <laughs> yes. Uh, OK, so um, so I've picked up a couple things as we went through today. You know, one around, you know, in terms of what you've learned in launching this and getting it rolling. Number one, I mentioned earlier was really around that whole having some engaged customers to begin with and building off of those. A second one is one that I don't know that everyone picked up on, but I mean, you are just passionate about this space. So like going to work and shows and, and growing this business is like, 
it's not difficult for you because you love the higher ed space and social like the socials. You know, this is something you really enjoy. And I think for entrepreneurs out there that try to force it, it just doesn't work. But what would be one or two more things that you've learned just in getting this um, business off the ground and growing over the last year? Yeah. So I do love what I do. Um, this interview is happening on a Saturday. and that's I love it. <laughs> Thanks for making the time. <laughs> Uh, two other things I would add in terms of, you know, successfully being able to launch a business. One was following a fairly, you know, structured process to get it from idea to launch. So Interesting. Okay. we, we did build this, you know, to our own needs at Great Lakes. But if you Google stage gate process, um, there is about five stages that any great idea or business could go through. And even if you're only doing them for yourself, it really helps you take a step back and think about, who is my customer? What is the problem I'm solving for? Is this feasible? You know, what, what, what infrastructure am I going to need? So that was incredibly helpful. Um, the other I would say is that, you know, before you're at the phase where you're like seeking funding or in investing your own capital is really nailing down your mission and vision and something that you can get behind and like jump up on a soapbox. I and love that about. one. <laughs> and it's and it's focused, right? This is where we're going. It sets a yeah. you know, future vision. So, I mean, our mission statement is fairly practical. It's to empower colleges and universities to find and analyze online conversations that matter, seize engagement opportunities, and develop data-informed strategies. But our vision statement is honestly why we're doing this whole thing. And we believe that we are going to help higher education regain the public trust and build authentic relationships. And that is something I can go to work for every single day of the week. And if it's okay, Justin, I'd add a third thing. Um, oh my gosh, you're gonna, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll let you throw in a third. <laughs> so I guess it's a fifth thing because <laughs> yeah. you added two. But uh, if you can find a team that just rallies behind that vision and is able to go off and do all the things they're good at. I mean, I'm the public face of Campus Sonar, but we have amazing analysts. We have a ridiculously good new business marketing team. We have an editorial director who like keeps me sane and sounding like I'm smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and nice. all of these folks, you know, th you know, you talk about how great the brand is. I didn't make the brand. We had a brand person that did that. Um, they all really got what we were doing and where we were going. And we would not have been able to get this far in just a short like six months without that team. Well, I love that. Now, last but not least, I, I, well, I can't even get to this before saying this last speaks to you. I think it's so great to have the narrowed focus, a clearly defined vision, and then talk about the people part. I mean, I, I, these, if you put the, the last couple of um, lessons learned together, I can see why this is really growing for you guys. So, um, all right. And last but not least, where can our listeners find you? Excellent. Oh, you can find me, Liz Gross, um, on Twitter and Instagram at LizGross144 because a dozen dozen is 144, <laughs> which is a gross. Ah, nice. <laughs> now we, I understand. Yeah, yes. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, just slash Liz Gross. Uh, my personal website is LizGross.net. Campus Sonar is at CampusSonar.com. And if you want the free handbook, I think it's super applicable even outside of higher education. Absolutely. That's at info.campusonar.com slash handbook. Well, that is awesome. All right, Dr. Liz Gross, it's been awesome having you on a Saturday on the podcast. I hope someone's listening on a Saturday. <laughs> they are. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> All right, thank you. For more information on today's topic or to access additional leadership content, tools, and resources, check out contenderbrands.com. 
Also, you can download other ContenderCast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store and Google Play Store. And remember, every winner started as a contender. Contender.